It's that time, the Betting Predators Podcast, where our main objective is hunting down the best bets for you. I'm your host, Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter, SleepyJ underscore pregame. Joined here by the football fanatics. Got Uncle Dave in the house. You guys can find him at Dave underscore Essler. Got stats and information guru Dan Rivera. You guys can get him on Twitter as well, Dan Rivera 228. Chris Dell, the mad journalist, is here. You guys can find him at Mad Journalist. And the bookie assassin, Pregame Hitman, is here. You guys can get him on Twitter at Pregame Hitman. Find us all on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. Also got Bernie Fratto, Mackenzie Rivers, and Smooth. You guys know where to find them. Find them on Twitter. Find them at Pregame. Guys, it is NFL Week 6. We're going to go ahead and jump into the card with Sunday. We have no Thursday night football. We have a double header on Monday night football. So that'll be interesting. We do have a retweet army pick. Everybody here seems to have a best bet for Sunday. So why don't we go ahead and start right out here with the Lions at the Jaguars. Jaguars, they're going to be plus three and a half here at home, 54 and a half for a total. We have a best bet in this one. But I want to start out with you, Uncle Dave. I want to talk about Lions, Jaguars. What are you thinking? You know, that's that's a tough game. I mean, to me, like, who do you trust? Which one? I mean, you know, Jacksonville looked pitiful last week, had three defensive starters out, but their defense was giving up a ton of points before those guys went down. So I don't trust them. I certainly don't trust the Lions. And then you think, well, both teams have pitiful defenses, so it's going to go over. But I'm not so sure because I, th- I think I think Jacksonville will try to run the ball. I mean, Detroit's defense is 29th in yards per rush, and, and I, I don't see uh, anybody – on Jacksonville moving the ball through the air. I mean, teams have learned to take Chark out of the game, and that's pretty much all they got to do. But, you know, Jacksonville's defense isn't a whole lot better. They're last in yards per play. So it still is one of those things that, you know, I keep looking at the over, and it's almost impossible to take an under. So I have a slight lean to the under and a slight lean to Jacksonville at home. And really the tipping point for me is the weather. You know, it's still going to be fairly mild, fairly humid, fairly hot in Jacksonville. And I, I think that is a little bit of an advantage for them. So I lean Jacksonville and under. All right, Hitman, what do you think about that one? Yeah, so if it's three and a half, then I'm thinking Jacksonville would be the side that I'd be more inclined to play. If it's three, it's probably going to be a, a straight-up pass. And even though my numbers do have value, I make the game Detroit only favored by two. A lot of the things that would keep me off Jacksonville is just related to injuries. You have Chenault not practicing right now. DJ Chark is banged up. And you saw all the defensive injuries that they had the last game. Josh Allen missed, Miles Jack, CJ Henderson, DJ Hayden. The Jags were a bad team with these guys. And without these guys, they're borderline – bottom three or four. So if I'm getting the three and a half, then I'll, I'll, I'll look Jags. But if it's three or under, then it's going to be a pass for me. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to play the Lions here. I know the hook is probably going to scare a lot of people away, but I got to go back to Jacksonville and look at what they've done throughout the entire season so far. You know, yeah, they started out the season with kind of a big win against Indianapolis, who let's face it, you know, Indy actually looks like a pretty good team, but they lose to Tennessee. And then they lose to Miami, they lose to the Bengals, they lose to Houston. So it was like, you know, they've gone down in class each and every week, and they've lost four straight games. And if you look at what the Lions have done, you know, they played some pretty good offenses. They played the Saints, they played the Packers, they played Arizona, and they lost all those games. But now they're coming off of a bye. And I think that, you know, at least if you look at, at Detroit right now, at this point of the season, you know, their season's not over, it's not dead. It's, you know, win this week and and see what happens in the next. 
So my gut feeling says Detroit wakes up here on the road. I think that they will coming off the bye. I think that the strength of schedule is it's kind of like grossly in favor of, of the Lions here. So I'll lay the three and a half. Typically, you know, it's not a number that, that we like to lay, but I don't think we have much choice. It's either, you know, you play them at three, three and a half, or maybe this line actually gets a little bit worse. So I'll go ahead. I'll play the Lions. It'll be a small pizza bet here. Chris, I'm curious what you think about that game. Are we are we going to target any guys in this one? Yeah, this is a game you're going to want to target offensively in fantasy, DFS, and player props as well for some overs because we mentioned the defenses earlier is that these are two of the worst defenses in the NFL, and opponents against the Jaguars are actually scoring on like 61% of their possessions. That's the highest rate in the league, and Jacksonville is also allowing a league-high 6.6 yards per play. Uh, and the thing that surprised me actually when I was looking at it is one of the things I had been curious about was the Lions are actually 2-0 and against the spread after a bye under Matt Patricia. So that all goes to say, I think Detroit's going to dictate the pace. And if they do, that means it's going to be a pass-happy, uh, pretty fast-paced uh, fast type of game overall. So I'll be looking towards Kenny Galladay in this game against the depleted Jacksonville secondary. And if Detroit has their way, they've actually been operating as one of the top 10 fast, fastest-moving offenses in the league. So I'm looking for Stafford to have a big day here, kind of having his way with this secondary. And this might be the full week of the first week uh, that Stafford's had his full assortment of weapons all healthy on that Detroit Lions offense. So that's where I'm looking there specifically with Stafford and Galladay possibly playing overs on their yardage. All right. We do have a best bet in this one. This comes from Smooth. You guys can find him on Twitter, Smooth underscore 702. Let's go ahead and give him a listen. If you're good at something, never do it for free. All right, so listen, why don't you give me a call when you want to start taking things a little more seriously. Here's my card. For my best bet of week six, I'm going with the Lions minus three and a half over the Jaguars. Now, I think the Lions are in a favorable spot as they're coming off a bye, giving them extra time to prepare and come out with some motivation to get their season on the right track. Last week against the Saints, they got off to a great start going up 14 points, but was unable to sustain it and lost the game by six. This week, I believe they catch a little bit of a break with the Jaguars. The Jags opened the season with an outright win against the Colts as underdogs, then played a competitive game against the Titans, but since then, they resemble the Jaguar team that many thought they'd be before the season as they've given up 31.3 points a game and 428.3 yards per game over their last three against the Dolphins, Bengals, and Texans, not your typical powerhouse offensive teams. The Jaguars are also dead last in defensive DVOA and dead last in defensive yards per play, giving up 6.6 yards per play and 8.4 yards per play in their last game against the struggling Texans. These numbers indicate to me that the Jaguars are tired and possibly looking forward to their bye week, which is upcoming. Stafford is a solid quarterback, and he tends to perform his best against the AFC South division. Throughout his career, he's completed 64% of his passes with a 10-2 touchdown interception ratio and averaging 304.4 yards per game with a 7.2 yards per attempt. He's also faced the Jags twice in his career in his 2-0 while completing 69% of his passes for 281 yards a game. So I expect Stafford's success to continue and lead the Lions to a win and a solid cover. All right, guys, there's Jay Smooth with his best bet. He's going to go ahead. He's going to take the Lions as well. Lions minus the three and a half. I feel like I'm not alone on an island. 
with my Lions pick. So Smooth going to go ahead and pack the Lions. Let's jump over to the next game here. We got the Falcons versus the Vikings. Vikings going to be minus four, total 54. Bernie Fratto has a pick in this one. Let's go ahead and start out with Bernie, see what he has to say. I like the total of uh, over on the Atlanta-Minnesota game, and I understand the number is about 55, but I think this game gets into the 60s. Falcons will have a new boss on the sidelines. They're going to open up their offense, and I think it's a spark they need. Todd Gurley's actually doing better. But they've got plenty of receivers, even if Julio Jones doesn't play. Atlanta's averaging 24 points a game. That's not horrible. Their passing attack is eighth in the NFL with 277 yards per game. And Minnesota is allowing over 400 yards per game, 409 to be exact. So we're going over Minnesota, Atlanta. Oh, Bernie, you animal, you are insatiable. Bernie, 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 I've got the talk. All right, guys, there's Bernie Fratto. He's going to go ahead. He's going to like the Vikings and the Falcons over the total of 54. Hitman, I'm going to throw it to you first on this one. Vikings, Falcons, what do you got? Yeah, for me, it would be the Vikings that I'm looking towards. Even at minus four, when you could have got a three a little earlier in the week and the logic behind that is that the Vikings offense, they play a lot better against these defenses that can't take advantage of their weak offensive line because the Vikings have some good skill position guys. You have Thielen, Jefferson, Cook when he's healthy, but we all know Madison is a pretty good backup. And the Packers and the Colts in week one and two, they were able to take advantage of their offensive line and shut them down. But you got to see in the next three weeks when they played teams that were weak in the pass rush department and the Titans, Texans, and Seahawks, that they were able to move the ball pretty much at will on these teams. So I think it's a good matchup. The Vikings have owned uh, the Atlanta Falcons ever since Mike Zimmer has been there. They specifically owned Matt Ryan. So for me, it would be the Vikings. Uncle Dave, Falcons, Vikings. What are you thinking? Yeah, I don't know. I, you know, I, I wish I wish Dan Quinn were in Atlanta one more week, and the Vikings would be even easier. But he's not. And if this game were in Atlanta, I might go there, but no chance of that in Minnesota. You know, I I wonder a little bit how they respond to that brutal loss Sunday night, and they are one and four, and they are in Green Bay next week, so not the greatest spot. You know, what's interesting about the Vikings, in spite of their defense being twenty sixth in yards per game given up and points per play. They're number one in third down stops. They're, they're making the plays when they have to. Fifth and allowing red zone touchdowns. So, you know, based on that alone, uh, even without Dalvin Cook, I have to think Minnesota gets this done. I have a, a little bit of a lean to the under. You know, I, I think that – I think Atlanta's defense can't possibly be any worse. And I think not having Dan Quinn there might make them a little bit better. And Atlanta may not have Julio Jones. If Julio Jones doesn't play – and I can get a good number. I lean under in Minnesota. I'd be on a little bit of the opposite there with you with the, with the total, Uncle Dave. I would lean slightly to the over. I don't like it, but I do lean it. But the fact that Bernie likes the over kind of gives me a little bit of incentive to go maybe go ahead and play it. You know, I got to look at, as you mentioned, Uncle Dave, Quinn's gone. And you got to wonder what the players are going to do. And I think that, you know, if they go out and they play like crap, you know, that, that the players, you know, start – I think the players are going to end up getting the finger pointed at them next. It's like, well, you know, how much of it was Quinn? You know, how much of it is the players? Do we need to blow up the whole entire situation? So I think the players come out and play tough, but I don't know if the defense could really do anything to go ahead and help themselves out. I don't know how much harder they can play. I mean, it's been, what, five weeks now? This team gets blown out every game. So I, I And we know the offense has, has a really high upside. And if Julio does play, 
Well, then I think the over is probably the only way I would go in that one. I particularly don't like a side because I know, you know, what happens when coaches get fired, players play tough. And if you're right, Uncle Dave, with, you know, the defense where maybe they step up, you know, maybe they hang around the game, maybe four points is just too much. Maybe anything over three is just too much. So uh, it would be a slight lean to the over for me in that one. I think the Falcons offense certainly shows up. And I think the Vikings, you know, they got the ball rolling. They got some things worked out, but I'm still not convinced that that Vikings defense, you know, was really any good. So that would be the way that I look in that one. Chris, Falcons, Vikings, what you got? Yeah, so the Vikings are actually 4-0 and straight up and against the spread against the Falcons under Mike Zimmer's tenure there in Minnesota. So I do think the Vikings are going to come out and control the pace in this game. And the last couple of weeks, they've actually been one of the slower paced teams in the NFL. So they're looking to run the ball whether it's with Dalvin Cook or Alexander Madison. I mean, if you have Madison on your fantasy team this week, or he's probably going to be one of the most highest-owned DFS guys if Dalvin Cook is ruled out. So they haven't ruled out Cook yet. Uh, they said there's still a chance that he could play, but the fact they have a bye next week, I think they rest up Cook this week, give him a second week off with the bye, and then he's back healthy for week eight. Uh, so having said all that, I think the Falcons' offense is going to have their way here, and Madison's totals, we'll see how – high they come out compared to what a normal Dalvin Cook workload might be. Uh, But he's just as capable as Dalvin Cook, and he actually played better in the Sunday night game. So I'd be looking towards Alexander Madison, possibly over, maybe the line projected would be, uh, you know, around 67.5, 68.5 rushing yards, and even look towards his receiving totals. If that comes out, maybe around, let's say, 25.5, probably play that close up to 30. And if you see that combined rushing receiving total for Madison – I think that he is, he's a great candidate to having a 100-plus uh, all-purpose yard game in this matchup here. So I'm really liking Madison, and I don't think Thielen is a bad play as well, depending on his number. Uh, he, he's, been, he's been leading the league at the top in end zone targets. So if, if, he's, if he's around maybe 65 and a half, 69 and a half, I, I would definitely wouldn't hesitate playing him up to 70 on receiving yards. All right, solid stuff on that game from everyone. Let's jump over to the Texans versus the Titans. Titans going to be minus three, three and a half. Total 52.5. Dan, you have a best bet in this one. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to pass. Dan, I'll save you till last. Tip me. I'm going to come to you first on this one. What are you thinking about that one? Yeah, so I gave out the over on this game. And the reason I like the over is the fact that the Texans came out and they said under their new play caller that they wanted to be more aggressive throwing the ball down the field. And that's what they did in their game against the Jags. Uh, Watson set a season high in play action rate and air yards per attempt. Watson this year, second in the NFL in yards per attempt when he's not pressured. The Titans really don't pressure you. And the Texans, I mean, we know that their defense really doesn't do anything well. They're 31st as far as the most rushing yards allowed in the league. They just lost their top linebacker, McKinney, to injury, who was going to be in charge of stopping Jonu Smith and Derrick Henry. So I think this game is a little short on the total. I'm seeing 52 right now out there, and that, that would be the way I'm looking. Uncle Dave, Texans, Titans, what do you got? Yeah, I agree with Hitman on the total, and I can only look at Houston here. I mean, I think that coaching change is a big deal, and, you know, I think Tennessee is still pretenders. I mean, I think they caught Buffalo in a bad spot. Uh, Tennessee's on super short rest. Um, Their defense is dead last in third down conversions. They're next to last in red zone scoring. Um, I just, you know, they are last in yards per rush. So I, I actually think Houston can have their way. Uh, but I but I do agree with Hitman that I think kind of both teams do. But I, I think that's a close enough game that, that the only thing I could do there is Houston with the points uh, because I think Tennessee are just pretenders. I mean, they think they're the uh, 
They're the worst undefeated team in the NFL. All right, so strong stuff there from Uncle Dave. Chris, what do you think about that Texans-Titans game? Do we go back to Cooks? Do we go back to Fuller? What do we do now maybe with that particular game with our player props? I would look towards Fuller in this game. I personally, I don't know if Cooks can uh, have the same type of outing that he did this past week. I mean, obviously he was their wide receiver one in that game, but the coaches that talked about specifically trying to make him a focal point of the offense after he had zero catches on uh, for zero yards the week before, I think Fuller's still the number one guy in that offense there, but I would actually look towards two areas here. And I agree with Hitman. I expect this to be a fast paced game. Uh, you know, the Tennessee Titans run no huddle at one of the highest rates in the league. And their situation neutral pace on offense ranks third quickest, actually. So a lot of people think they're running, but they're actually throwing on first down at a pretty successful rate as well. So I'm looking towards Derrick Henry because the Houston Texans have had one of the worst rush defenses in the NFL here. So I know his rushing yardage is going to be set pretty high, uh, but I'd be willing to play him, you know, probably in the upper, uh, you know, mid to upper 80s, low 90s if that line comes out that way. If it comes close to 100, I, I won't touch that. That's just too much for me. But uh, I, I am looking at a lot of points in this game here. And then for the Tennessee Titans on offense, you saw what A.J. Brown did in his first game back from, from uh, the, the bone bruise in his knee. And he looked great. And I think that he gets an even, you know, just as good, if not a better matchup uh, in this game here against the Texans than he did against the Bills on Tuesday night. So I'm, I'm liking A.J. Brown. If, if the total is set on his yardage under 70, I'm definitely going to be looking to play that over there. So maybe projected line about 67 and a half. This guy absolutely tore it up in the second half of last year, and I think people have kind of forgotten about that. So I, I want to jump on that opportunity while I can get an advantage right there with A.J. Brown. Yeah, A.J. Brown played solid. He looked really good. I'm sure that offense was kind of missing him, and then you saw what he did against the Bills, and it's like, oh, man. You know, and that's one thing that scared me about, you know, maybe looking at the Texans in this game is the fact that the Titans look so damn good. And I know the Bills did them a lot of favors, you know, turning the ball over, but I know Uncle Dave says he thinks that they're the worst undefeated team in the league, and I get that part. And the the fact that the line's only three, you know, that does worry me. Like, I would expect this line to maybe be like something like six. And then I maybe would consider going ahead and teasing down the Titans. But the fact that the line's like three, three and a half, that does give me a little bit of pause because I thought this line would be a little bit higher. So, you know, maybe Uncle Dave's right. You know, I don't know. But, uh, Dan, you have a best bet in this one. Why don't we go ahead and let you rip and run on that? I think Dave's right. This is the worst undefeated team. But I'm going to buy it this week. The Titans are coming off that big win over the Bills. I was watching a lot of that Texans game last week against the Jaguars, and I was not remotely impressed with the Texans at all. Yes, they got their big win without Bill O'Brien. But it seemed to me that the Texans, outside of Deshaun Watson and Laramie Tunsil, just don't have any talent. I just have a very tough time backing a team here on the road, second week with Romeo Cornell, who I'm not very high on, because the Titans team here are playing well, despite being undefeated and barely winning a couple of those games. So it's not more of a play on the Titans. It's more of a fade on the Texans to me. And that's why I like the Titans minus three and a half best bet this week. All right. So there we go. Everybody pretty much got their say on that one. Dan's best bet. He's going to go ahead. He's going to back the Titans minus three, three and a half. Uh, Let's jump over to the Browns at the Steelers. This should be one of the marquee matchups of the weekend. Steelers going to be minus three total 51. We have a best bet from Mackenzie Rivers. 
Dan Rivera, you have a play in this one as well, and so does Bernie. Why don't we go ahead and start out with Bernie first. We'll hear what Bernie has to say, see what he likes in this one. Take Pittsburgh, lay the four against Cleveland. I could give you all kind of reasons I did last week when it was an 86% trend, and the week before when it was just 56%. Let's just lay I'm not buying Cleveland. Pittsburgh's got the best defense in the league. They're for real. The last two times they went 4-0. 78 and 79, they won the Super Bowl both years, and all of a sudden now people have expectations with Cleveland, and this is when they screw the pooch. So take Pitt and lay the four. All right, guys, well, there's Bernie Fratto. He's going to go ahead. He's going to back Pittsburgh minus the three and a half. Now, Bernie didn't actually specify if he had a best bet this week, so he, he, as I said, he, he liked the over in that Falcons game, and he liked Pittsburgh here. So Bernie going to go out and give out two picks this week. Dan, you like the Pittsburgh Steelers as well. Why don't you go ahead and talk about Pittsburgh, why you like them coming up in this game? Well, looking all the sheet and all the people looking to make the Steelers their pick, I'm a little worried we're going to suffer from the kiss of death again and lose again this week. But this is the first game back for Miles Garrett after his little incident last year. Last year, he didn't play in that second game. The two times that Baker Mayfield hasn't looked good this year was against the Ravens and the Colts defenses, who are currently ranked first and third in defensive DVOA. Baker Mayfield took a shot in the chest last week, and he definitely looked rattled. They still won, but I'm a little concerned how banged up he is this week, and one good shot could possibly knock him off, knock him out of the game or possibly just have him off the rest of the game. We know the Steelers' defense is good. We know the Steelers' defense should be able to get a consistent pass rush for the most part. But with the Steelers at minus three, we'll be able to slow down a Mayfield offense. I think the Steelers end up covering here by about four or five points, and that's why I like the Steelers this week. All right, so there's another one there on the Steelers. Uncle Dave throwing it right over to you. Brown Steelers, what do you got? Yeah, tough game. I mean, I know I think the Sharps like Cleveland, and I understand why, but I'm not sure, um, you know, that Pittsburgh defense is just tough to bet against. And for me, if I can get the Steelers at that price at home, I probably have to take them uh, for no other reason that, you know, Cleveland, Cleveland kind of thinks they're ready to take that next step. And, and they may well be personnel-wise, but I don't think they are as a unit. And Pittsburgh certainly doesn't want it to take that next step. And I think this is an opportunity for Pittsburgh to show them that Pittsburgh is still Pittsburgh and the Steelers' defense is still the Steelers' defense. So actually lean Steelers. Um, I could make a case for teasing Cleveland up, uh, but you know if you're making me play straight up here, I, I, have, to, I have to lean Pittsburgh somewhat reluctantly. All right, so Uncle Dave going to lean there towards Pittsburgh. I, I have a tough time probably playing the Browns in this one. You know, I think when I when I sat and I thought about this game, I, I got to go back to last week and I got to look at what Pittsburgh did in that game. Now, look, they play, Philly played them tough. And I don't think that that was necessarily, you know, the the Pittsburgh defense that, that at least statistically, you know, that they could put on the field this week. But I think that, you know, when you look at Mayfield, it's like, I think you have to get like an A game from him. And has he even played an A game in, you know, in quite some time? I got to go back to like last year, you know, last time he had an A game. And the fact that Chubb's out, they're going to be on the road. You know, it just worries me that, that the Browns, you know, that they, they could get beat in this game. I think it might be by like a decent margin. And Uncle Dave, you said, you know, mentioned going ahead, teasing up Cleveland. I even worry about that. Like, I just worry. Like, I th- we're going to find out who the Browns are exactly, you know, in this game. And I don't want to find out with my money on the line. 
I think I know who these two teams are. I think I know who Pittsburgh is. I actually have Pittsburgh rated right now as the fourth best team in the league. And maybe I can make a case maybe that this line should be like five. I I just can't trust Mayfield, you know, putting an A game together on the road against a tough defense where, you know, this team's going to – they're going to force you to go ahead and throw the ball. Not going to be able to run the ball that well. I mean, if we go back to last week when they played Philadelphia – you know, you subtract that Miles Sanders run and Pittsburgh literally, I think they give up like 16 yards the rest of the game. So I don't know, man. I just, I don't, I don't see Mayfield putting an A game together here on the road. So uh, I would lean here with Pittsburgh, slight like to Pittsburgh. Maybe if that line falls a little bit, which I don't think it will, maybe if it goes to two and a half, uh, maybe on Sunday late before kickoff, maybe I'll go ahead and take a piece of the Steelers. But that would certainly be the way that I look. I, I couldn't play the Browns this week. Um, how about you, Hitman? What are you thinking, Brown Steelers? Speaking of Mayfield, Mayfield 38th in the NFL in yards per pass attempt under pressure. Well, guess who leads the NFL in pressure rate defensively? That's the Pittsburgh Steelers. So you're not going to be able to run the ball and – Mayfield's going to be under pressure and he's regressed this year. His PFF grade is even worse this season than it was last season. So I don't trust him either in this spot. I make the game what it is, which is why I have not bet it yet, but all the matchup stuff supports for me to take the Steelers minus three. I very well may eventually. So that's the side that I'm going to be looking at. You guys got to wonder how interesting this division gets, though, if if Cleveland, in fact, does go ahead and win this game. And Dan already had mentioned it. He's a little worried that everybody seems to be on the same side. So I can tell you right now, Pittsburgh right now, especially after that 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 showing that they had last week where Claypool goes and he goes for four TDs, this seems like this is going to be one of the front runners for uh, Sheep's Play of the Week. But let's go ahead. We'll close it out here. Mackenzie Rivers has a best bet in this one. Let's see if he's on Pittsburgh as well. My best bet this week, Pittsburgh Steelers minus three and a half. I'm taking them over the Cleveland Browns. Now, according to Football Outsiders, the Steelers have the number one rated rush defense in the NFL. If style makes fights, this should be a good one because the Cleveland Browns have the number one rushing attack in the NFL, averaging almost 190 yards on the ground per game. Now, if I knew the answer to the question of who will win in a battle between the immovable object and the unstoppable force, Pittsburgh Steelers rush defense versus the Cleveland Browns rush offense, I would know everything I need to know to go ahead and attack this game. Even though I don't know that for a fact, I'm going off my instinct and thinking that the Steelers have a great chance to stymie the Browns' rush attack. And if they do, I think we're at a 70%, 80% chance of going ahead and making this cover. Add it all together, I think we got a 55% play here, and I'm playing it. Now, why do I think the Steelers can stop the Browns? Two reasons. One, the Browns have put up gaudy rushing attacks against bad defenses. Against the Bengals and against the Cowboys, they were putting on a clinic of how to run the zone outside scheme and how to do play action off of it. But against good defenses, it wasn't so easy. Yes, they won against the Colts last week, but that had a lot to do with Rivers throwing the game away. Didn't have so much to do with with the Browns' offense, especially on the ground, performing that well. 
Against the Ravens, it was even worse. That game was over in the first quarter. Ravens weren't having it from the Browns' rushing attack. Mayfield had absolutely no chance against that blitzing defense and those ball-hawking corners. Two, the Browns are without Nick Chubb. Yes, Dearness Johnson has shown some flashes. Kareem Hunt is a solid backup, although he might be banged up. But losing maybe the best or the top five running back in the league a couple games in, that starts to wear on everybody. Your job gets that much harder. Against the Steelers' number one ranked rushing attack, I don't think the Browns have the goods to effectively play that way. Now, the Steelers did give up a decent amount of rushing at hearts last week, but good majority of that, about half statistically, came on one third and nine draw play that ended up going for a 77-yard touchdown by Miles Sanders of the Eagles. And I saw that play. I threw on the coach's film. That was just a freak play. That was just a play where if it was third and seven or third and eight, the Steelers wouldn't have, have sold out so much on the pass. They did ended up in an 80-yard touchdown. I don't think that is emblematic of some great vulnerability the Steelers will have going forward. I think that's just one play, one data point. You look at the great season of stats the Steelers have put up, and they've just not allowed anybody to establish the run game. Expect that to be the case here. Now, why does this matter? Baker Mayfield. If the game is decided by Baker Mayfield's decision-making and, th- and ability to make throws under pressure, I love my Steelers minus three and a half. Now, it's not that Baker Mayfield's been so terrible against pressure. He Last year, he was 16th in DVOA, went under pressure from, for any quarterback. So, league average. This has more to do with the fact that he hasn't faced any pressure. And the fact that his stats say he's a top 5, top 15 quarterback right now has everything to do with who they've played, not some major, tremendous evolution of Baker Mayfield's game. Let's just look at the numbers. So Mayfield has had the most average pocket time of any quarterback in the NFL this season, 2.7 seconds per dropback. Moreover, Mayfield has only faced pressure in 16% of his dropbacks. That's top five in the league. The Steelers, they ain't having that with anybody. The Steelers are number one in the NFL with a bullet pressuring quarterbacks on 40% of their dropbacks. For comparison, the league average is about half that. The next best team, the New England Patriots, they're just over 30%. Nobody else is in the stratosphere of the Steelers as far as consistently creating pressure. And the way they do it, I don't think the Browns will have an answer for it because they have a variety of complex blitz packages. Them and the Ravens, another team that blew out the Browns, are the only teams that blitz about half the time. You never know what you're going to get out of them. So if the Steelers get a lead and or able to stop the run, and this goes on Baker Mayfield's shoulders, Give me Big Ben at home and the Steelers with Mike Tomlin all day. Little bonus trend, the Browns have never beaten Mike Tomlin. They're 0-13. I think there's a tie in there. Must be 0-13-1. Bonus, bonus, the Steelers, well, when they get it rolling, they really get it rolling. When the Steelers are off a win in their entire franchise history and the next game is at home, 58% against the spread. Okay, well, let's just look at Mike Tomlin's years. 60% against the spread. That's the situation we're in. I believe we have a matchup advantage. We'll see come Sunday. But I think we got a tremendous bet here at Steelers minus three and a half. All right. Well, there you go, guys. It's unanimous. Everybody and their mother on Pittsburgh. McKenzie's going to go ahead and lay the three and a half. If, it, if the line's three, obviously, you know, we'll give McKenzie a little bit of credit because he went and he did his play late last night. So uh, McKenzie's best bet it will be on Pittsburgh. Let's jump over to the Ravens and the Eagles. Just spoke about the Eagles. Ravens are going to be minus 7.5 here. Total 47.5. Uncle Dave, coming right back to you with this one. 
Ravens, Eagles, what do you got? Yeah, I'm going to be a little contrarian here. I actually like the Eagles a little bit at plus seven and a half. Um, you know, for all the bad PR that the Eagles get, they're in first place in the NFC East at one, two, and one. And if you look at their schedule coming up, they've got two games against the Giants and sandwiched around a home game with Dallas. So, you know, they could well be 500 midway through the season and still in first place. So even though that they haven't looked good at all, um, I think you'll see a big effort from them. And the Ravens have the Steelers next week, which sucks for them because if it weren't for COVID, they'd have had a bye before that game. And statistically, teams can move the ball on the Ravens through the air. And although their yards per pass allowed is good, the Eagles don't have a vertical passing game to begin with. You know, the, I think the Eagles' defense is at least serviceable. You know, they've given up less points than Seattle, so come on, man. Um, they're only allowing 3.9 yards per rush, which is good for 10th. And it looks as if that could be an under game, given a little bit more to a, to more value to a, a full touchdown in the spread. So I think if Wentz can not turn it over too many times and the Eagles can get Jackson in a few third longs and maybe turn it over once or so, I think they can keep this game close. So I actually like the Eagles because I think Baltimore just really wants out with a win before the Steelers game next week, and they don't have good reason to get margin and certainly not sustain it. So I'm going to probably be the – I'm going to probably be the, the lone wolf on the on the Eagles, but that's where I'm going to go. All right, Uncle Dave going to go ahead play the Eagles here in that one. Chris, now, last week, Deshaun practiced, Alshon practiced. Do you know if those guys are actually going to play? Are they going to help Uncle Dave out with his Eagles pick this week? Yeah, I, I definitely uh, don't hate that Eagles pick right there, and I agree with him uh, with what Uncle Dave said about there actually being more offense and maybe more points in this game than most people are thinking going into this. Um, so both those guys have practiced so far, and that could push, uh, you know, like the fantasy free agent hero of last week, Travis Fulgham, down to being a fourth or fifth receiver in this offense. But overall here in terms of prop wise, I'm looking towards Mark Andrews over and I'm going to project that his receiving line is going to be set at around, let's say, 59 and a half, maybe around 60, 61. I would probably look to play him up to about 65 receiving yards in this game. And the Eagles have been one of the worst teams in the NFL in terms of getting beat up by tight ends. Um, and then just in, in terms of the Eagles offense in general, the, the Eagles games this season have been averaging the fourth most combined snaps overall, and they go no huddle at the sixth highest rate in the NFL. So, uh, the Ravens have been wanting to throw the ball more, especially with Lamar Jackson's knee being a little bit banged up. So I expect the Ravens to throw, I expect the Eagles to throw because they might be playing from behind here as well. Um, uh, so I expect more of an up-tempo game with a lot of snaps and a lot of opportunities for big plays which is why I like the focal point of the Ravens' passing attack, which is Mark Andrews over and his receiving as well. Hitman, what do you got for that one? Yeah, I would lean towards the Eagles also, despite Dave saying that he'd probably be the lone wolf. That would be the side I'd look at. My logic behind that is that the Ravens' offense hasn't looked that great. I mean, I understand that their stats are probably good, but they haven't looked like last year's offense. So then you have the fact that they're going to obviously run the ball. What is, what's the one thing that the Eagles can do? They can defensively, they can stop the run. So they're going to force them to throw the ball. Lamar hasn't thrown the ball as well as last year. And the Eagles are a resilient team. And we've seen time and time again that when they're a big dog and people are leaving them out to dry and throw them to the wolves, they, they play pretty well. So for me, it would I didn't bet this or anything, but the Eagles, if you're getting over a touchdown, would be the side – that I'm looking towards. 
Yeah, I like Philly as well. I'm with all you guys. I think one of the things that you know a lot of people need to consider in this game, and this is going back to something that I heard, is that had Dallas ended up winning a game, and one more game than what they have right now, then Alshon and Deshaun may have played last week, and maybe it would have been a week early. But the fact that Dallas kept on losing, Peterson was like, look, we, we don't need you right now. Get healthy, get ready. You know, when, when we get you in there, we're going to need you. And, and you know, we got to go ahead and, and probably play, you know, Baltimore at home. And it looks like those guys probably are, are going to be a go. At least that's kind of everything that I'm hearing right now. So if you can get those guys in and they know that they're, you know, they're going to be ready, they're going to be healthy. Chris had mentioned that Fulgrim guy. I mean, that's just another another guy out there to confuse the defense. You still have Ward. You still have Ertz. Sanders looks like he's going ahead, getting his legs under him. I think Philly's alive in this game to win outright. And as, you know, as a hitman had mentioned, you know, that Ravens offense hasn't been all that great. And one thing about Philly, you can't run between the tackles on that team. But another thing about Philly, you know, they're very good east to west. If you try running against them, they can go ahead and they can close quick. So I think Lamar is going to have a little bit of trouble. They're going to have to rely on his arm in this game. And he hasn't been all that accurate this season. And the Philly secondary, at least from what I've seen, at least, you know, going back to last week, you know, it looks like Slay is starting to come around. So I think that Eagles defense actually shows up and they put, I think they actually put Baltimore in a position where, you know, maybe they're behind in this game and Lamar does have to throw. And I could see him maybe making a mistake this week. I don't know. I think Philly's live. I think you play them on the money line. I think you definitely take the plus seven and a half, sprinkle a little bit on the money line here. But I'll take the seven and a half points with Philly. You know, if they're going to go ahead and make any type of a, a run at this division and, and turn it around. It's got to start with the win this week. And if they lose this week, then, you know, then I think that, the, you know, there, there's a lot of doubt that creeps into their minds, but I think this team will be ready this week. I think they'll be focused. They are at home. I think the Ravens are just a little overvalued right now. I can't rely on Jackson to go ahead and get everything done uh, by himself here on the road. At least it's, it seems like, you know, that that's what he's being asked to do each and every week. So, uh, I'd be with, it seems like I'd be with everybody. Nobody likes the Ravens in that one. Uncle Dave, I'll throw it to you first with uh, Broncos Pats. Broncos Pats. You know, I actually like the Broncos here plus double digits. And if for no other reason, Locke is coming back. I mean, I like Drew Locke a lot. The Patriots don't have an offense that's going to put up a lot of a lot of points regardless of, of who's under center. You know, we expect now it's going to be Newton, obviously. And, and lastly, I think, you know, Belichick and New England, they're they're such a team of routine, and they're obviously out of their routine, not having played Denver last week as they were supposed to. So I, uh, I am, I am liking Denver quite a bit here. Believe it or not, I think my concern with Denver Uncle Dave is the fact that Melvin Gordon just got nailed with the DUI. So you got to wonder if he plays, or if they discipline him in any way. You know, I'm not sure. I don't know if I could play Denver going on the road. It's, I'm, I'm I usually don't like betting on the Patriots. But that's a, that is a hefty number, Uncle Dave. I think I would probably hope for an eight and a half, and then go ahead and try to get them in a tease. That would really be the only thing I could do here with the Patriots. You know, the Broncos are going to come out, you know, trying to play, you know, pretty tough here. Maybe try to make a statement, try to pull an upset. But yeah, it would either be the Patriots in a tease if I can get them under three. Um, I maybe a lean to, slightly to the under. I just don't know where that Broncos offense comes from. I think their defense probably will show up. And you know, I'm still not sold necessarily on that Patriots offense. I mean, I understand that they put up points against, you know, terrible, at least terrible defenses, but 
the Broncos defense, I don't think is terrible by any means. So uh, that would be the way that I go with that one. Chris, what do you think about for that game? Anybody we should be targeting? Yeah, I would actually look only to unders on the Denver Broncos side of things. I don't know how much of an upgrade they get uh, with Drew Locke. So I, I've never been impressed impressed with him as coming out of college and even till now. So and he's going to be coming in rusty too, going up against one of the tougher secondaries in the NFL. And obviously Cam Newton's going to be back under center there. So for the Patriots side of things, I expect them. You know, obviously with with the lofty uh, point spread here that they're going to be playing from ahead and trying to dictate the tempo by running the ball. And the Patriots are the second second best graded run blocking team in the NFL. So Damian Harris, while Sony Michelle remains on IR, I'll definitely be looking towards his rushing over in this game. And I think he had a hundred plus yards in their last game, and that was trailing the entire time against the Kansas City Chiefs. So in an opposite type situation here, they're going to be able to establish the run even more. I like Damian Harris as one of my stronger leans at this moment early in the week before the official numbers come out. And uh, this is a part of my best bet uh, in, in terms of I got I got a teaser where I'll be teasing the Patriots down to two uh, from nine. If you if, if you did a seven and a half point teaser, I don't hate that. You pay, pay a little bit extra juice, obviously, to one and a half, like you said, Sleepy. But I do like the Patriots teasing them down from nine to two uh, in this game and then teasing the Dolphins down from nine to two against the Jets as well. All right. Solid stuff there from Chris. Hitman, how about you? You got Broncos, Patriots. What do you got? Not much on this. The Patriots laying double digits. I mean, do I think they can cover this? Of course, I think they can, but they don't really have the offensive explosiveness that's typically going to get margin. But then on the other hand, you have the Broncos who are just so banged up at all levels of their entire team. And I don't want to bet against Belichick off a loss and with extra time to prepare. So for me, it would be the Patriots or nothing. All right, guys, it's that time. Let's go ahead and start out with our rapid-fire segment. We're going to start it out here with the Bears at the Panthers. Panthers minus one, total 44 and a half. Hitman coming to you first on this one, Bears-Panthers. What are you thinking? Panthers cluster injuries to their defense, specifically their defensive line and their cornerbacks. That puts me on a Bears teaser. Make sure you get it over seven, so seven and a half to eight is good. Uncle Dave, Bears-Panthers, what do you got? I uh, totally agree with Hitman. I'm teasing the Bears back up. I'd, I'd have I'd have gladly jumped on plus three, which didn't last very long. But even if the Panthers were 100% healthy, yeah, that Bears defense will keep them keep them in the game and keep that game close. So you know, it only takes you six six point tees or gets you to seven and a half right now at most shops, even more at some. So yeah, I agree. Tease Bears. I like the over in that game. I think we see an offensive display from both quarterbacks in this one. I think Robinson. Anderson, Moore, I think they all kind of break out in this game against these two defenses. Maybe people will disagree, but 44.5 seems like relatively like a low number to me. Uncle David mentioned there might be some weather there, you know, in the southeast. So we'll go ahead and we'll keep an eye on that. But for me, I like the over in that one. I do think we see a decent amount of offense. Chris, what do you got for that one, Bears-Panthers? I like both running backs in this game. I like David Montgomery possibly playing his over on rushing and maybe total rushing and receiving in this game going up against maybe the worst rush defense in the league outside of the Houston Texans. And, uh, you know, you saw what Carolina allowed to Todd Gurley, made him look like the the old Todd Gurley last week in week five. And then Mike Davis on the other side of things, he's forced to tackle on 35.5% of his touches. That's number one in the NFL right now. And uh, maybe a little bit of a revenge game for Mike Davis. The last team that released him was the Chicago Bears. He played for them briefly last season. Um, So I do like Mike Davis. He's been doing it all in the rushing and the receiving game. 
So I, I do agree with you, Sleepy. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see the over hit in this one, but I think specifically both running games are going to have their way because the Bears' secondary has been pretty elite this year, but they have been able to be run on, which you saw with Ronald Jones in week five there as well. I like the running backs as well myself, to be honest with you. I kind of like – I just like both offenses in general. All right, let's jump over to our next game here, Washington football team at the New York Giants. Giants going to be minus two and a half here, total 42 and a half. Uncle Dave coming to you first with this one. What do you got? Well, I don't know how much of this game I want to bite with actual money here. Um, you know, I, I wonder if the Redskins would have been better off playing behind Alex Smith. If they were, I'd probably like Washington. But by the same token, I wonder how the Giants react to pissing down their leg in Dallas – I think when all is said and done, I think the Giants have the better coach, the better quarterback, and the better defense, so I like the Giants. All right, Hitman, Washington Giants, what do you got? Doubt that i do anything with the side or total. If I had to look at a prop, it would be McLaurin under. James Bradbury's been locking down opposing wide receivers for the Giants, and Kyle Allen or Alex Smith, if he has to come in relief, that's a downgrade for McLaurin compared to Haskins, so McLaurin under's. Uh, I would probably look towards the over in this one. The fact that Smith's not going to play, but the fact that Allen kind of got knocked out, you have to assume that, that Rivera's going to go, well, here's the reason why I wanted this guy to be our, our quarterback. And he probably slings it all over the field, you know, against the Giants because the Giants' defense is, you know, it's not exactly great. And you got to wonder if, if the Giants go out there and say, screw it, just let Jones go out and throw the ball all over. I mean, the rushing attack, not exactly great, so. Uh, for me, it would be a slight lean to the over. I would be afraid to tease either team in that one. So that would be the way I look, slight lean to the over in that one. Chris, what do you got for uh, Washington football team and the Giants? Yeah, Sleepy. So I'm going straight back to the well with these two teams. Last week, we played Darius Slayton and Devonta Freeman over on their receiving yards. I'm going to be looking towards doing those again. If if Freeman was like at 19 and a half last week, and if, if it's not set above about 24 and a half, 25, I'll definitely be firing on that over. And then Darius Slayton, I mean, this this Washington secondary is definitely exploitable despite the talent they have on the front four. So Slayton, to me, is one of the best uh, deep threats in the league. He obviously is inconsistent because of his quarterback and because of the scheme overall there in New York. So I do like Slayton a lot in this matchup. And then going back to the well again, we double dip with Antonio Gibson and J.D. McKissick. We get the check down king, Mr. Kyle Allen himself, back at quarterback. This guy obviously enabled Christian McCaffrey again to have the number one fantasy season last year because of all the dump down passes he did. So with Gibson and McKissick splitting the workload in the passing game, I'm loving those two guys being the top two receivers again for Kyle Allen this week. And I think we'll have an edge there too, because Alex Smith came in halfway through that game and he didn't check down to the running backs as much. So if we get a full game from Kyle Allen in this one, I I wouldn't be surprised to see Gibson and McKissick combined for like 10 plus catches in this game. All right, solid stuff on that one. Let's jump over to our next one here. We got the Jets at the Dolphins. Dolphins going to be a monster favorite here, minus 9.5, total 47.5. I'll go ahead and start this one out. I think the Dolphins blow out the Jets here, and I think this is Adam Gase's last game. I think the fact that Le'Veon Bell left, that, that basically is saying, you need to get the job done with this guy that you particularly are saying that has done nothing for us. Well, if he if he's not doing anything, well, let's just get him out, off the team. And now, you know, you're left with what you have. So you have to win with what you have because the players and everything that, that, that has gone on, you know, throughout the last couple of years um, hasn't worked. And you want me to get rid of this guy and bring and do all this crap. And it's like, all right, cool. I think the Dolphins look to go ahead and, and repeat what they did against San Francisco. I think that they know that they can go ahead and, and stomp this Jets team. 
And I don't think Fitzpatrick or the Dolphins are in any position to go ahead and say, oh, let's just go ahead and, you know, and just and, and win the game and, and be happy with that. Nah, I think this Dolphins team wants to go out and, and really beat this team up. The only reason I think the Dolphins probably won't try to beat them up is if they want to go ahead and, you know, keep cases as the Jets uh, head coach, which would benefit them. But uh, my gut feeling says the Dolphins just go out and they put up like 40 points in this game and the Jets just don't have anything to offer and Gase is gone. Uh, come Monday morning. Hitman, I'll let you rip and run first on that one. What do you got? Numbers seem to be high at first glance, but then you look a little more into it. Dolphins are 12th in DVOA this season. Obviously, the Jets are dead last. I don't want any part of the Jets, especially when they have Flacco at quarterback. So for me, it's Miami or nothing. Uncle Dave, Jets, Dolphins, what do you got? Yeah, I mean, I agree with everybody else. There's no chance to take the Jets, and which means they'll, they'll, they'll win or cover. But it, realistically... No, and I, and I think the Adam Gase thing does factor in a little bit because you got to remember a lot of those guys played for Adam Gase, so um, they would love nothing better than to go ahead and run up the score, and I think they will. Dan, you want to go ahead and chime in on this one? What do you got? Yeah, you guys nailed it. It's either fins or pass. But my question is, Hitman, I know you were burned. Uncle Dave, you were burned by the Jets. But starting with you, Uncle Dave, how many points do you need for the Jets to get home versus away to actually put your hard-earned money on them? Not doing it. There is no number of points that I could possibly get that would let me take the Jets, at least no number of points that would be realistic. I mean, it's just just not possible. I mean, I've, I've been burned by them twice, and normally that doesn't bother me, but I've been burned so badly that I'm, I'm in the intensive care with the Jets, so there is no number. I'll never say never, but let's say I make the line on my numbers 14 just in any random game with the Jets as the dog. I'd probably need at least three and a half, four points of line value. So 17 and a half, 18 in that specific example to ever look to back, back the Jets right now. It would just have to be such crazy value that I can't pass it up and then I won't watch the game. I'll make myself an alcoholic beverage and check the score at the end and pray that I won. I kind of think the same thing hit, man. And that's one of the reasons why I think the Dolphins probably have a good chance to blow them out. I don't know what number I would take the Jets at. Maybe 16, somewhere in that area. 14 wouldn't be enough. 14 and a half, maybe. But, yeah, maybe the Jets at like 16. Um, that would be the only thing i think about that one. Chris, Jets, Dolphins, what are you thinking? Yeah, so the only thing you can trust with Adam Gase is that the slot receivers in his offense have always thrived, dating back to Emmanuel Sanders' prime in Denver with Peyton Manning in the bunch there. So Jamison Crowder has played three games this year. He's had 100-plus receiving yards in every single game, and he's going to have Joe Flacco back at quarterback for this one. And you know the Jets are going to be playing from behind. They're going to have to throw the ball to at least somewhat compete in this game. So Jamison Crowder, I just feel like just because of his name alone, and he is a slot receiver, so he's not considered one of the elite receivers in the game, I don't see his yardage total being set in the prop market around maybe like 70, 75 at the most. So I'll definitely be looking to play the over on that. And then Sleep, we mentioned on the recap pod Sunday night uh, that I'm going to be looking to play overs on the Miami Dolphins guys, just seeing what I can get in terms of value. Parker's line might be set pretty high, but maybe a guy like Preston Preston Williams, who just had his big breakout game in week five, Maybe his total might be set a little bit low. Might be looking to play Preston Williams over 60 receiving yards, maybe 65. Um, so I, I agree with you guys, and I mentioned it earlier. This is part of my best bet teaser. Uh, I want to I want to clear the, the key number of three and get the Patriots under three and the Dolphins under three for my best bet teaser of the week. 
All right, solid stuff in that game from everybody. Let's jump over to the Bengals at Dan Rivera's Indianapolis Colts. We do have a, actually, Smooth has his teaser pick of the week that involves this game. Let's go ahead and start out with Smooth. Let's see what he has to say. For one of my teaser plays this week, I'm going with the Bengals and teasing them by six, up to 14 over the Colts. Now, Joe Burrow and the Bengals offense didn't look great last week, but considering the circumstances and situation they were up against, I don't think they were as bad as they looked offensively. It was Burrow's first game against the best team in the division on the road in some bad weather conditions. The Bengals did manage to win the time of possession battle by almost 10 minutes against the Ravens, but the three turnovers kept them from putting more points on the board. The Ravens were also able to exploit one of the Bengals' biggest weakness, and that's their offensive line. They brought down Burrow seven times, but I don't think the Colts have the same talent level in their front seven to replicate what the Ravens were able to do as they ranked 16th in sacks compared to the Ravens being in the top five. The Colts' defense have also been able to take advantage of some easy opportunities early in the season, beating up on the Jets, holding the Vikings to 11 points while they worked in some young players, and holding the Bears to 11 points, with Nick Foles taking over for Mitch Trubisky with limited practice time with the starters. But in their games against teams that had their quarterbacks named throughout the offseason, and with some form of chemistry between his skill players, like the Jaguars and Browns, were able to have, they lost both games and gave up 29 and a half points a game. I expect Burrow to have some more time in the pocket this week, which will lead to a bounce back performance and staying well within double digits. For my other teaser pick, I'm gonna take the Packers and tease them by six and make them a three and a half point dog over the Bucks. With how often Aaron Rodgers was dragged through the media during the offseason and the Packers using their first-round pick to take his replacement in this past draft, he's come out and played with some extra motivation to prove that he's still one of, if not the best quarterback in the league, and also playing at an MVP level. The first month of the schedule was also a little favorable for Rodgers playing the Vikings week one with all their adjustments and two easy games against the Lions and Falcons. But this week's matchup with the Bucks should be just as competitive as the game against the Saints. Where I think the Packers hold the edge in this matchup is the play between the two quarterbacks. Tom Brady hasn't been hasn't been bad, but Aaron Rodgers has returned to playing MVP level football. And the other area where I think Green Bay will hold an edge is in penalties. The Bucks are one of the most undisciplined teams in the league as they average 8.4 penalties a game that ranks 31st in the league compared to the Packers, who average half that at 4.8 that ranks 8th in the league. This is something that Tom Brady didn't have to worry about when he was with the Patriots because Bill Belichick wouldn't allow you to play undisciplined football. But since Bruce Arians has been the head coach in Tampa, they've led the league in penalties and against a smart quarterback like Rodgers, who has a very effective hard count and loves taking advantage of free plays, could be a deciding factor in the winner of this game. All right, guys, there's Jay Smoove. He's going to go ahead. He's going to tease the Bengals up to 14. He's also going to include the Packers in that one as well. I have a best bet in this one. I'm going to save my opinion till last. Hitman, I'm coming to you first with this one. Bengals, Colts, what do you got? I don't hate the Colts, 
in a teaser. But with that said, against the spread, I would probably lean towards the Bengals, which is why I likely won't do anything with this game. I understand that people are talking about how bad the Bengals offense looked, but let's remember the previous few games, Burrow threw for 300 yards in three straight games. Rivers looks washed, so it's going to come up to Jonathan Taylor, come down to Jonathan Taylor and how that offensive line blocks. For me, it's a straight pass. Uncle Dave, Bengals, Colts, what do you got? Yeah, I don't think the Colts in that offense right now should be more than a touchdown favorite over anyone. Well, I was going to say anyone. There is the Jets, but certainly not Burrow. I think the Bengals are just made to look worse than they really are at Baltimore last week. And I think we saw exactly who the Colts are at Cleveland. I mean, Rivers just hasn't looked good at all this season. And the Bengals' defense held Baltimore to their second-lowest offensive output of the season last week. And until that Ravens game, Cincinnati hadn't lost a game by more than five. So I don't think they will here. I like the Bengals. All right, Uncle Dave, going to go ahead and take the Bengals here as well. Chris, how about you? What do you got for this one, Bengals-Colts? Well, the Colts' defense finally showed up in the second half of their loss to the Browns there. They held Baker Mayfield to like 20 or less passing yards in the second half there. And this team likes to control the clock with the run game, as we all know. And uh, opponents are averaging a league low, I think, 57 snaps per game against the Colts. And Colts' games are averaging the fewest combined plays in the NFL just under 120 plays per game. So because of that, despite the fact that I think Phil Rivers is washed, I'm not looking for many points because I think the Colts control the tempo here. So if anything, I would look Jonathan Taylor over on the rushing because Cincinnati's defense on the front four isn't anything I'm worried about. And I would look like off the rails, maybe a Drew Sample under like 25 receiving yards. If you can see any type of line similar to that, I would look there because the Colts have been one of the best defenses at defending the tight end. Uh, that, that's pretty much all I'm looking in that one. Come on and wake up. Come on and wake up now. It's time to shake a leg and get up. It's time for you to raise your head up. Come on and wake up. Come on and wake up now. You know it's time. Come on and come on and. Come on in, come on in, come on in, wake up now. All right, guys, let me go ahead and give you guys my best bet. I'm going to go ahead, I'm going to play the Cincinnati Bengals plus the eight points. I think seven and a half is perfectly fine. Eight and a half obviously is better, but I'll grab the eight for terms of this podcast. You know, one of the things about the Bengals, you know, they got blown out. So I'm, I'm going to look towards, you know, going ahead and playing on a team that got blown out. But I think the big story coming out of the weekend was, you know, as, as the hitman had mentioned, you know, the offensive line. And when you are the focal point of, you know, the Monday morning news, you either have to change something or you either have to step up and just play play much better. And I think the Bengals offensive line is being looked at by the entire team is, well, you're the one that are letting us down each and every week. You know, Burrow's getting hit. He, he can't he simply can't get hit. And it's like, you know, we got this young kid behind us who. Let's just face it, like sometimes when, you, when you're around younger people and, you know, you put them in a situation where they're going to end up getting hurt, you, it's like well, you're the ones that are supposed to know better. So it's like the team, the team probably, you know, at least the offensive line, they're probably looking at it like we have to protect this kid. You know, we can't let him go out and get killed. He's our, he's our franchise quarterback. So I think the O-line steps up in a big way. But if you look at the Bengals' defense, you know, that was a defense, you know, going back to last year that really hasn't been all that good but this year they're playing much better you know they're giving up like 25 points per game 
Um, they're probably not within like the bottom 10 worst defenses. Um, you know, they only had like one game where they gave up a bunch of points. I think that might have been to, I think it was Philadelphia. They gave up a bunch of points to actually, no, it wasn't Philly. It was Cleveland back in like week two. They gave up 35 points. But I think the Bengals defense comes around in this one. I don't trust Rivers. I don't think Rivers is really all that good anymore. Uh, good enough to go ahead and manage a game, manage a decent offense. But uh, plus eight for me is just too much. I think the Bengals bounce back. I think Burrow stays somewhat protected. And the fact that Darius Leonard is going to be missed in this defense uh, is only going to provide the Bengals with a little bit more offensive uh, options to go ahead and, and move the ball up and down the field in this game. So I'll make that one my best bet, guys. I'm going ahead. I'm taking the Bengals plus the eight. All right, let's jump over to Packers at the Bucks. Looks like Uncle Dave has a best bet in this one. I'll start out with the Hitman. Hitman Packers at the Bucks. Right now, line right around Pickham plus one for the Buccaneers. Total 55. What do you got? If either team gets to one and a half, I'm teasing that team. I think that it's a pretty, uh, it's a pretty good matchup, and I make the game Pickham. So that's why I said that I would like to tease whoever's getting the one and a half. Uh, the Bucks obviously, they lost Vita Vea, which is going to be a big loss. But I don't know if the Packers are a team that's really going to take advantage of it. The Bucks seem to have their wide receivers finally healthy, so they might be a little bit undervalued because they played so many games without them fully healthy. So for me, is with the side, it's, it's a pass. As I said, tease the, a team up if you can and – I would probably lean towards the over also. All right, good stuff there from the hitman. Chris, is Godwin going to end up playing this week? Because I think that's going to be, you know, one of the things that I'm looking at for this game to, you know, decide what I'm going to end up doing with this one. So what do you got for that game? What's up with Godwin? Well, I saw that he was at practice today, so I think he is trending towards playing in this game. Uh, But we have seen uh, some talented defensive back play from Green Bay. You saw what Jair Alexander was able to do in limiting Calvin Ridley to a goose egg line on primetime just a couple weeks ago. So I do think Green Bay secondary is a bit underrated here. Uh, And on the opposite side, you know, Tampa Bay has Carlton Davis. He's been considered one of the better corners in this league, but he gave up a huge game to Allen Robinson on Thursday night last week. So I expect Devontae Adams fully healthy. He could have went two weeks ago. They decided to sit him. Plus he got the bye week. I expect a big game from Devontae Adams, and I also expect a decent game from Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who never thrives as the number one receiver, but when he has a a good wide receiver taking attention away on the opposite side, he could really thrive as that secondary option. So we're going to see the Green Bay Packers offense doing what they do best with Adams and MVS, and then looking towards Jones receiving, because we've played that that area before, which is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They they, They might be really tough defending the run, but they funnel passes to running backs at a higher rate than any other team in the league. So I do like all three of those guys on the Packers side. And on the Bucks side, I would be looking to play a possibly low player prop total on Cameron Brait, uh, who, who was heavily involved in his first game as a starter last week. Um, so I'm looking towards Brait over on the Bucks, but pretty much nowhere else because Godwin's going to be back. And I think he splits the work between him and Evans. My gut feeling says that somebody gets exposed in this game. I have a feeling it could be Brady, but I think the one way that they can go ahead and keep him from being exposed is by running the football. So I would look maybe for the Tampa running game to probably have a a decent game here. Maybe look at some of the player props over in that one. Uh, I'm I'm afraid to fade the Bucs because they're going to be at home coming off of a loss. And it is my Packers, and I don't want to bet with my heart. 
I lean to the under in this one. I think that makes sense to me. I think that Green Bay, if you could take Jones away, you know, you make the Packers somewhat one-dimensional. You know, I'm not sure necessarily about Adams. Uh, is Adams going to play this game? Yeah, he's back. He's 100%. I'm not necessarily sure, you know, what Adams is going to look like coming off of the bye. Um, I don't know. I, I, I have worries for Brady looking bad in this game. So uh, I'll go ahead. I'll, I'll play the under, and I'll look for some Buccaneers running backs to go ahead and uh, have pretty good games. All right, so Uncle Dave, you're up next. You have a best bet on this one. What do you got? Because some damn fool accused you of being the best. Well, you know, when I first looked at this game, because the Packers were a favorite, it's come back to almost a pick now. But I had to wonder if Brady at home as an un- being an underdog was a little extra motivation, and it probably is. But then there's that injury report for the Bucs. You have Godwin's probably going to play. McCoy's questionable. I don't think Evans practiced today. Hitman mentioned Vita Bay's out, O.J. Howard's out. I think that's a bigger deal than people want to talk about. So are Brady's weapons still what we thought they were? And does the Packers' defense allow 64 points in two road games negate those weapons being maybe depleted? Maybe, but remember, Tampa Bay's wins to beat Bridgewater at home, Jeff Driscoll on the road, and almost lost to Herbert at home last week. So all things being equal, I think Rodgers' Jordan Love motivation combined with the motivation to beat Brady – I think Trump's whatever Brady has on the field for weapons and what Brady has left in the tank, you know, and, and I know Tampa's rush defense is first in most of the important statistical categories, but now with Vita Vey out, maybe not. And the pass defense is not first. In fact, the pass defense, 28th in completion percentage allowed. Green Bay's O-line and much due to Aaron Rodgers is first in sacks allowed. The Packer offense is first in points per play. So at the end, I asked myself, what would this line be if the Bucks? quarterback had Brady's current skill set and wasn't named Brady. I think it'd be the Packers minus three. So give me the Packers to win the game. Packers money line. Yeah, I think if we have a mismatch in this one, Uncle Dave, I think it does come down to, you know, Rodgers and Brady. That's just the way I feel about that one. That's why I think I think they do everything they can to, to kind of protect Brady from being exposed in this game. But I think at some at some point it's gonna come out where it's like, oh, shit, you know, like he's up against it. All right, with that said, I'm glad some of you guys like my Packers. Let's jump into our retweet army pick of the week. We got JP Galaxy 777 He's going to go ahead. He's going to play the Pittsburgh Steelers here, minus the three, if you guys haven't seen him on Twitter. Uh, you guys can find him racing Jason. Let me go ahead and give you guys his handicap. He thinks the public perception on Cleveland right now is a little bit high, and he says hence the number coming down all week. You know, he likes Cleveland for the season, but not here in this spot. You know, asking Baker to win it all. Uh, he could see Ben wanting to get a little bit of bait back, you know, from Garrett and the Browns. So he's going to go ahead. He's going to play Pittsburgh. Um, again, another one, another guy on Pittsburgh. Nobody likes the Browns in that game. All right, guys, let's jump over to our night games here. We got Sunday night football, Rams at the 49ers. 49ers going to be plus three and a half here at home. 49ers look miserable last week. Total 51 and a half. We have Mackenzie Rivers team total in this one. Why don't we go ahead and start out with Mackenzie, and then we'll see what everybody else has to say. For my team total of this week, let me go the San Francisco 49ers over 24 points hosting the Los Angeles Rams. Now, this play is all about the line move. Early Sunday or Saturday night, the look-ahead line for this game was 49ers by three hosting the Rams. Line said the 49ers were a little better, but the Rams had pretty much caught up to them from last year. Okay, the Rams go to Washington and dominate. 
The 49ers have probably their worst game in, since Jimmy Garoppolo arrived in San Francisco. And Jimmy G was the key culprit. Never looked right on that ankle. Key turnovers back-to-back to end the first half really ended the game. Now, my takeaways from that game were twofold. One, Jimmy G wasn't right. I'm, I think it's likely that it was his ankle. If, it, if it's in his head or if it's something else, then that's obviously a bigger concern. But just the way he was moving from the first snap never felt like he was confident on that ankle driving the ball or even moving in the pocket. Secondly, it was that the defense, it, it, it let go of the rope. It was all of the nastiness that it had last season, whether it was because Richard Sherman wasn't there or because Nick Bosa wasn't there, that had gone, and it, it had become a weak defense one that Ryan Fitzpatrick could throw up a 99 QBR on. So that's a concern going forward, and I think a dramatic downgrade to the San Francisco power rating is appropriate. But if we just look at the team total, the implied team total set Saturday night, Sunday morning for the 49ers was 30. And now today it's 24, six-point move. Do I think that the 49ers offense has some problems? Yes. Do I think they're correctable? I do. Another week of healing up for Jimmy G, another week of game planning around the weapons that they do have in tow. George Kittle back. Debo Samuel was facing an illness much of last week. He should be closer to 100%. This is a 49ers team that I believe is hungry to save their season. I think my cousin, Kyle Shanahan, will have a few tricks up his sleeve, just like he used to when we played Madden back on the family reunion trips. I believe in the kid. Can't lie. And I'm going to put my money where my mouth is this week. I'm going to go San Francisco over 24 points. All right, guys, there's Mackenzie Rivers. He's going to go ahead and play the San Francisco 49ers team total over 24 points. Hit man, I'm going right to you after that one. What are you thinking? Best bet, 49ers plus the three and a half, lay the 120 on it. It's just an overreaction to the line, for the look-ahead line from last week. The look-ahead was the Niners were catching three. And I understand that Jimmy G looked like shit. Their defense looked like shit. But you're telling me that you're going to adjust six and a half points from key numbers off of last week's performance? No way. Situational factors are in favor of the Niners as well. You have the Niners' third straight home game while the Rams are playing their fourth road game in five weeks. Three of those road games were all the way on the East Coast. So this is the Niners' season right now. They're two and three. They're way behind in the division. You're going to get a home run effort in a home run situational spot with some clear line value from the look ahead line from the week before. So give me the Niners plus the three and a half. I honestly don't like this game one bit. I'm afraid to bet San Francisco, but I understand the spot that they're in. And then the fact that the hitman likes them here as much as he does, the fact that McKenzie thinks their team totals going over. The only way that I could look in this game is probably teasing San Francisco up and just putting them in a teaser. So I feel, you know, extra comfortable, but I actually feel really confident that, you know, that these guys have the right side, they have the right handicap. So uh, all I would do with this one is probably just tease the 49ers up. Uncle Dave, what do you think about Rams 49ers? Well, if I'd have been smart, I'd have taken the Rams plus three, and now I would take the 49ers plus three and a half but I wasn't smart. And I agree with Hitman. It's just a, it is a gross overreaction to uh, last week, last couple of weeks. Rams have been flying all over the country. 49ers are probably almost as healthy as they've been in a little while. So, yeah, uh, too much 
too much working against the Rams and too much of an over adjustment. So I'm with I'm with you teasing San Francisco up, but at plus three and a half, I love the 49ers. All right, another one there on the 49ers. Chris Rams, 49ers. How you feeling about some of those San Fran players? You know, after we saw what Jimmy G looked like, are you looking to fade or are you looking to follow on that one? Well, I, I don't know if any of you guys have heard. Are we seeing C.J. Beathard or Nick Mullins as the official starter yet for this game? Jimmy G is full participation in practice, so he'll be starting. Um, I mean, in, in this game, I, I think the we talk about the overreaction. Hitman and Uncle Dave both brought it up. Is that what gets lost in the 49ers blowout loss to Miami last week was how good Raheem Mostert looked coming back from injury. And the fact that we think this is going to be a closer type game, especially a, a, a division rivalry here in the NFC West. Uh, Raheem Mostert averaged, oh, I think, almost nine yards per carry. Uh, he just didn't get a chance to run the ball enough because they were playing so far from behind. So I do like Raheem Mostert here. They've got to establish the run, so to speak, in order to relieve the pressure off of Jimmy G here. And I, I think you're going to look towards you know Jalen Ramsey on the other side. So what do you do? You run the ball and you throw it away from him. Um, so I, I do like Kittle in this game for a for a bounce back spot. And then if Akilah Witherspoon's healthy from San Francisco, he's been one of the better defensive players in shutting down opposing slot receivers. So I'll look there possibly towards Cooper Cup under receiving yards as well. But I think as it stands right now, recording on Wednesday, Wednesday night, I do like the spot here for Raheem Mostert at home. Yeah, I agree with you 100%, Chris. I like that one as well. Um, I'm thinking he he might even go for close to 100 in this one. And we've seen him break big runs before. You know, he can get, you know, his whole total within like two rushes. So uh, I like that as well. That was the one play I was thinking about for that one. Let's go over to our Monday night football action here. We got the Chiefs at the Bills. And we will have a double header here. Cardinals and Cowboys, I believe, will follow. But the Bills are going to be plus three and a half here, plus four at home. Total 57 and a half. Hitman coming to you first with this one. Chiefs, Bills, what do you got? I don't want to bet against Mahomes off of a loss. So for me, it would be the Chiefs or pass. And I'd probably be looking towards the over. This Bills defense isn't what they used to be. And Josh Allen's more than capable of putting pressure on Mahomes to make him have to throw and make them have to score. Whenever you put pressure on Mahomes to score and Andy Reid to score, that's going to happen. So for me, it would probably be Chiefs in the over if I had to. Yeah, I would take the over in this one, too. You're right, 100% hit, man. This Bills defense is not – it's just – it's it's not anywhere near, you know, the top of the league. And I, I had them rated number one defense in the league. I was completely wrong on that. Tredavious White was out in the last game. He'll be back. But even with him on the field, I mean, it, it really hasn't made much of a difference to this Bills defense. I think their linebacking core is just so weak right now that it's just it, – it's seriously like a liability to this entire defense now. I don't think he can run on them, but I don't think the Chiefs really care to run. I mean, Mahomes is probably going to go out there and do his thing. So I know it's a high total, 57 and a half. It just looks crazy. But I think the Chiefs' defense was somewhat exposed, and I think Allen, you know, he really comes back and he tries to have a much better game. I don't think anybody on the Chiefs could probably guard Diggs. So for me, it would be over 57 and a half. And that one, Uncle Dave, Chiefs-Bills, what do you got? Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to make much sense of this game. You know, I don't know. I have to lean Chiefs. Uh, I'm kind of with Hitman there that you don't want to bet against Mahomes off a loss. And I'm kind of – I've never really been totally sold on Buffalo. Um, the the over, I don't know. If I could have got 56, I would have liked it. Now it may be a little bit 
a little bit higher than I would like, but I, I have to look, I have to look Kansas city here. You know, don't, don't, don't forget that Buffalo is also on short rest. Um, Buffalo hasn't been in these situations with a, with a big game and they're not going to have a big fan base there. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards the chiefs myself. Yeah, I certainly agree with that, Uncle Dave. I think the Bills would need their crowd here, you know, to go in and contend, at least get in this line. It seems like it seems like it's going to be a tough uphill battle for them. Chris, what do you think about for that Chiefs-Bills game? Yeah, so, you know, we mentioned on the last couple podcasts here, and this is some injury news to possibly attack from the player prop side, is Sammy Watkins. He's going to be missing the next couple of weeks with a hamstring injury, and he's been used almost as a slot receiver for the Chiefs this year in the short to intermediate routes. So without Watkins there, you're going to see Kelsey roam those areas of the field more freely. And I think his ceiling is definitely raised. And you saw him have the huge game without Watkins last week against the Raiders. So I do like Kelsey over here. If his line comes out somewhere maybe in the mid uh, to upper 60s is what I would guess a projected line to be for Kelsey. Um, overall, besides that, I'm not really sure who's going to step in receiver-wise. It could be McCole Hardman. It could be Demarcus Robinson. It could be a, a even Byron Pringle in that role. If Tredavious White is out again for some reason, I'm definitely look to play Tyreek Hill over. Uh, but if if White is back in there, I'll probably shy away from that. And and the, you you mentioned it, Sleepy. The Bills linebackers are depleted right now. They're without their top linebackers, so that just makes me like Kelsey all that much more in this game. I think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has a big game receiving the ball. I think with Watkins out, that they probably look towards Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in this one receiving. I'm going to look for his receiving yards over in this one. Uh, let's jump over to the Cardinals and the Cowboys. Cardinals are going to be minus two here on the road. Total 55. Dan, you go ahead. Dan, you like the Cardinals in this one. Why don't you go ahead first on that one? I, there's the narrative that Andy Dolan was really good with the Bengals. Chris's Bengals, to be exact, with the weapons around him. Now, the narrative's true, but let's look what Denver – or let's look what he had in with Cincinnati. During the years he was in Cincinnati under Mike Zimmer, the Bengals finished 19th in defensive DVOA in 2011. That's Dalton's rookie year. In 2012, they finished 11th. In 2013, they finished 5th. In 2014, the first year without Mike Zimmer, Bengals finished 14th, 10th, 18th, 21st, 28th, and 30th. Right around in 2016, the year you see the drop-off in defensive DVOA, Dalton got a nice contract. When it really started kicking in, you saw the defense go to crap, essentially. You also saw those same years the Bengals only won about seven games max, and two of those years they won two games less. To me, I know Dalton's got some nice weapons. I have no faith in Dallas. I have no faith in that coaching staff. I have no faith in that defense who made the Giants' anemic offense look awesome last week. I'm going to lay the points of the Cardinals here. Yes, I know it's the third game of travel, and usually it doesn't bode well for teams. But over the last five years, travel has gotten a lot better. So to me, I cannot touch a team who literally won't play defense. So I'll take the Cardinals here, minus two or, or minus one and a half. I lean slightly to the over here. Um, again, I think both offenses probably put up some points. Hitman, you're up next. What do you got? For me, Dallas and a teaser. And it's going to be hard for the Cardinals defense to put the Cowboys offense away. And an injury that nobody's really talked about is the fact that Chandler Jones is out for the season. So the Cardinals really have no pass rush outside of him. So for me, it's uh, Dallas teasing them up. All right, Uncle Dave, Cardinals, Cowboys, what do you got? Yeah, I mean, this one's an easy one for me, too. I like I like Dallas because I don't like Arizona. I think Arizona's overrated. Um, the Chandler Jones injury, as Hitman said, is actually kind of huge. And to be honest with you, uh, I don't think Dalton is 
what he used to be. I don't think his numbers in Cincinnati are as bad. Uh, you know, his numbers in Cincinnati were bad. I don't think he's that bad. I think he had nothing around him. Uh, and I don't think the difference, you know, right now between the, the look ahead line to, to what, what Dak would be in to what Dalton's in, I don't think there's a five and a half point difference between the two quarterbacks. So I like Dallas. All right, there's Uncle Dave going to play on Dallas. Chris, I'll let you go ahead and close this one up. Cardinals, Cowboys, what are you thinking? Yeah, I would actually lean towards the Cardinals here at minus two under the key number to three because of the Dallas Cowboys defense, despite all the stuff we're saying about Andy Dalton here. But Dan hit it on the head there with, with the narrative that Andy Dalton led the Bengals to five straight playoff appearances. He, he was the game manager, but it was Mike Zimmer in that defense and the guys they had on the defensive line that led them to those playoff appearances here. So I've always thought as a Bengals fan that Andy Dalton's overrated, especially in prime time. And that's not just a narrative. You can look at the numbers that back that up right there. Uh, but what I did see in terms of player props is that the last two plays of Dalton that Dalton had in that game against the Giants were two completions back-to-back to, back to Michael Gallup for 19 yards and 38 yards. He actually showed a willingness to throw it deep, unlike Dak, who had almost been ignoring Gallup this season despite all the weapons they have in that offense. So I, I do like Gallup in this game, especially with what Uncle Dave and Hitman said about Arizona not providing much pressure up front that will give Dalton time to look deep. I do also really like Christian Kirk over receiving because that, that Cowboys defense is so bad. Christian Kirk led the Cardinals in air yards in week five. He's back from an injury, looking healthy now, and will benefit from the extra attention showed to DeAndre Hopkins. So I'm looking towards the two deep threats, Christian Kirk, Michael Gallup over. I expect a lot of points, and I expect the Cardinals to pull this one out. I like them minus two. All right, guys. Well, that wraps up the podcast. Good stuff from everybody on that one. Got all your best bets for the week. Got all our likes, all our leans. We covered every game. Uh, with that said, I'm your host, Slippy J. You guys can find me on Twitter, Slippy J underscore pregame. Got Uncle Dave in the house at Dave Esler, pregame hitman at pregame hitman, and Christelle at Mad Journalist. Dan Rivera also on the pod. You guys can find him on Twitter at Dan Rivera. Bernie Fratto, Mackenzie Rivers, Jay Smoove, all contributing, giving out their best bets and their plays. You guys know where to find them on Twitter and at pregame.com. Going to hurry up and close this one out. I would like to wish you guys all the best of luck this weekend. Enjoy the games.